Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are we doing today? I know season five is coming along. I just could not wait on this episode with Chad from Civil Poor. For one, it's just a fun episode. It's a good one. It's one of those that makes you go, man, I'm so glad I get to get this out early because you get to hear our conversation. For two, it talks about the big Texas Brew Fest, which he has been heading with his wife, um since forever they're the ones that started it all and it was so good to hear about the history of this beer festival and of civil poor and what that is and what it's doing it's just there's so much good information especially if you are a local to the dfw area it's it's just a good time all around okay little update on season five before we get to the episode um february uh we're march right now and february my household had a month of sick (laughs) we had a uh we had covid we had a stomach bug we had a flu <laughs> that literally i mean i was the only one that got covid but everybody else got everything else um i think i even got the, the some of the in there as well um and so on top of that we had my family visiting from california and it it, it just everything that i thought i was going to be able to get done before this interview just did not happen <laughs> so Ah, i'm recording season five it is coming along it just had like this month-long pause because of sick (laughs) i'm so sorry anyways enjoy this episode with chad thank you so much for listening i really appreciate you uh if you didn't know already please go to buymeacoffee.com slash al the brewer if you want to help support this podcast you can literally just support with like a dollar if you'd like and this just goes to help support everything that this podcast does, the streaming, uh, the services, the hosting services, I should say, uh, buying the guests a beer, all of that good jazz. So if you feel so inclined, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brewer to support this podcast. All right, that's that for that. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Season five will be coming along uh, as soon as I can like get not sick and like do this. <laughs> all right, everybody. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are you doing? I am so excited to be here right now. I am on location at Civil Poor. And let me tell you, if you have not made it out here, get here quick, please. I'm sitting with Chad, owner, proprietor, head honcho of Civil Poor. Chad, so good to have you, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. uh, This is so much fun. Um, your sandwich just came My out. That's so much. Sandwich just arrived, and I was like, "Oh, we're having an extra guest." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the guest is the sandwich. <laughs> that does look great. Um, I've definitely got to say, this place—it's my first time here. I'm so oh, sorry cool. about that. Um, I, 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 I tell people that like DFW is a great wall of China for me because with kids and family life, it is so hard to get beyond DFW. Are you on the west side? Yeah, Metroplex? I'm, in, I'm in, uh, in Fort Worth. Okay. And so 
uh, for me to get out to Dallas is always a trip and a half. So my parents are here. One of them has one child. The other child is in school. So I'm like, oh, I can actually like go the, the, to the east side and go do things, which is, which is kind of fun. So I'm impressed that you were able to get here with your dad in town and whatnot, too, though. Dad uh, was dad was down to come and yeah, hang out here. Yeah, cool. um, he's you know he's here on vacation, so we're just here all just having a good time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, this place looks great, and uh, you've got your whole ostrich polo logo going on. Yeah, yeah, for just sure. Really cool. Um, it's definitely eye catching, if nothing else. You know. Yeah, it's just uh, you know. Like I was telling your dad, it's not like words. You know, you're not going to remember a logo that's words. We hold a contest, and you know, he's he's a little crazy. And there's coffee and beer coming out of the guy's yeah. satchel, which is our kind of our two specialties. And yep. And by uh, the way, the coffee, I'm trying the Warlock right now. Oh uh, yeah. That is a great. The the cayenne in it is just yeah. it's just fun. Yeah. That's my creation. Okay. Um, well, good job. <laughs> I don't take credit for a ton of the beverages on there. A lot of them are just classic Italian, right? Yeah. So they just exist, but. Uh, the Warlock was was my creation. It's a riff on another drink that I had in uh, Indianapolis, where I grew up, and that's why the Warlock exists. And the Warlock is sort of like I love metal and kind of sounds evil, and you know, yeah. that's the that's the Warlock. If nothing else, it's eye catching on the board because you see, you know, you got your little espresso, cappuccino, blah blah. Warlock. Yeah, and then for those listening, the Warlock is uh, chocolate syrup, two shots of espresso, steamed milk. A uh, little home house-made uh, rum, soaked vanilla beans, a Vietnamese cinnamon, mm. and a little cayenne pepper to just kind of amplify everything. And that's a tiny bit of cayenne. All its purpose is to just amplify the other flavors that are there. It's um, not really that spicy. I'm I'm just saying I really like it. There was a there was a, a coffee roaster, uh, Diedrichs. Yeah, heard uh, of them. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No, yeah, Diedrichs. Diedrichs. Okay. Diedrich's, Diedrich's? That's also a manufacturer of coffee roasting equipment. I think maybe we're talking about the same thing, um, but they used to have a shop out in where I was at in college, and they had a thing called the Mayan Mocha, and it had cinnamon and uh, cayenne and a couple other things. It kind of reminds me of nice. this. And it was a hot beverage as well that was just like really hot and spicy, mm-hmm. and I always loved it because it was just a fun drink to have, and it wasn't like... Uh, I've always liked having just a cup of coffee, but I've never cared for like sweet style, like the frappuccino-y. Like, right. Fun to have, like maybe once a year, and I'm I'm good. You know. This drink, I think, is pretty balanced. It's not. No, too it's sweet. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So I kind of like to get everybody started with the same type of question. I've got actually a two for you. Is how did you? You know, what's your own personal history in the craft beer? And then I'm follow up because we're here at your place. History into coffee. Yeah. Sure. Um. I'll, I'll try to keep the story because it goes back a ways. I got into craft beer back in November of 2008. I took a trip to San Diego. It was a work trip. Mm-hmm. I kept asking every local there. I'm like, where do the locals hang out? And yep. nobody would tell me. It was really weird. Like one guy was like, oh, there's a Chili's down the road. And I'm like, <laughs> no, dude, I'm, I live in Dallas. That's our headquarters. I don't need Chili's. And then some other guy's like, oh, there's a Mexican chain that people hang out at. I'm like, I don't want to go to the chain. And then finally, this I come across this DJ, and it's a karaoke bar on one side, and it's a club on the other. And there's zero people on the dance floor, and this guy's got music blasting at like 110 decibels. I mean, it was 115 decibels. It was really loud. Yeah. So finally, I just walk up to him. I'm like, I'm like, hey, dude, can we talk? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he turns down the music, and uh, I asked that guy where the locals go, and he's like, oh, go to Pizza Port. Oh, Pizza Port. 
I was like, what is that? Oh, he's man. like, oh, they make their own beer. They make really good pizza. He's like, I don't know how long you're here, but he's like, just go to the Carlsbad location. It's a little further away. Yep. Well, I intended to go, but what ended up happening is I park, and I see this thing called the Pizza Port Bottle Shop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Let me just walk in here and see what it is. And it's this place. It's like a retail store. They have these plywood tables, concrete floors. I mean, it's not decorated in any way. It's just yeah. coolers in a room. Yep. And I'm like asking the guy, I'm like, what is this place? And his name was Sean, super helpful guy. And he's like, um, well, we are a retail b- bottle shop, but you can drink here for the retail prices. So like if you want Duval, which is, you know, I mean, if you go and buy a four pack, it's like, you know, 20 bucks. Yeah. Well, you can buy a single for five. So it was just awesome. So we sat there, and we didn't ever, actually never even made it next door to Pizza Port because we just ordered pizza while we were at the bottle shop. <laughs> I just had it over there. I'm like, I got 700 options here, and this guy knows more about beer than anybody, any waiter or waitress over there. So gotcha. that's And I've just never drank anything else, really, other than beer since I went to that place. Gotcha. So that's how I got into beer, and there's lots of things along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coffee, I've always enjoyed good things, but I don't know. I was like a you know, cream and sugar coffee guy. And eventually I just kept making better and better coffee and mm-hmm. figuring out more about grinding it at home and brewing it at home. And about 2015 was my final year of college. We had a class where we were supposed to ideate a business. Okay. Originally that started out as a barrel aged brewery, meaning we, we didn't make any other beer. And I just, you know, you go through that exercise and you're like, well, this isn't going to work. This is a stupid idea because it takes six to 12 months to throw a beer in a barrel before it's ready. This isn't a good business model. And uh, I also just saw so many breweries in the market. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is not good because there are so many people popping up. I just don't want to compete with them. So I'm like, let's make a place that serves coffee and beer because we're paying for the real estate all day anyway. Gotcha. And this place was poor. So I see. That's the hopefully short enough version. Well, uh, that is a great, because it also takes care of another question down the, the road a little bit, but um, that, that makes a lot of sense for what you're, what you're liking, to, what you're wanting to do yeah. anyways, you know. Um, I love the coffee beer combo. I think it's just such a fun idea um, that you can come here, grab a coffee in the morning, come back in the afternoon, grab a pint if you want. Yeah. Um, or just study here for a period of time or, or get out your laptop and then people switch from coffee to beer at some point. You know, and that's one of the things that's really cool about this place is that the the whole feel and vibe is very sit down and enjoy. I think there's a lot of coffee shops that have a sit down and enjoy your coffee and get out. Um, and that's fine. And I understand that because empty, you know, a full seat means someone's probably not going to sit down and either take it to go, which has you know less opportunity to buy something a little later on. Uh, you guys got more than enough space to actually sit down, enjoy, be here for a little bit, um, which I really, really appreciate. Um, it's just also just got a nice, like, just chill vibe all around to it. The staff, everything about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just a fun place to just be. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Okay. I've got one other just, like, random question. Um, okay. Just because I've seen this, you post about this more than a few times, Street Fighter. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen you on different beer posts and just in between Facebook and stuff like you do Street Fighter. Old school Street Fighter 2. The version that I play is called Super Turbo in the community. I remember Super Turbo. Yes, yep. I, I put a couple dollars and quarters into that. That was the last Street Fighter 2 was okay. Super Turbo. So it's like the, you know, the final evolution of that series. 
came out in 1994. I mean, I didn't really ever play Super Turbo back in the 90s because my arcade had other versions. Okay. I never saw it. And then about the time arcades were winding down, it just never got to our arcade. Gotcha. But these days, uh, there's a huge competitive scene in different parts of the world. Really, it, it goes all over the globe. And, you know, it started with Japan. And uh, those guys are the best of the best. They've never stopped playing. So hmm. they've been playing since 94. So these guys are just ridiculously good. But yeah, I play Street Fighter 2. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we play locally at Free Play Up in Richardson. But they have gotcha. four locations across the Metroplex. And you okay. can find fighting game players any night of the week. I, I just I, I saw that. And I think I've ever seen a comment of like you posted a video of like some of the best players in the world doing a competition. And you're like, oh, I love watching this. It's good to see so-and-so back in the game and this person <laughs> back. And, I, and I, I later looked at it on YouTube. It had millions of views. It, yeah, that's and, very possible. Yeah, and uh, I, I was just, I was like, wait, Street Fighter, because I, I, I'm not good at video games. I learned that very early. I remember we were doing a, um, I it was a, a sleepover or something, and someone had an uh, uh, N64, no SNES, and we were playing Star Fox, and yeah, we were I playing it by, okay, whoever died, whenever you die, next person gets the controller because there was one controller. And I remember I was, everybody liked being after me because they knew you didn't have to wait long before Alan died and then you got the controller. Because I, I was just like, no, I'm just bad at these. Like, just, just horrible. You know, I apologize. I'm like eating a breakfast sandwich Dude, as I'm talking to you guys. You're, but you're good. I w- listened to this podcast, which kind of broke my brain a little bit. And it's a guy who's an expert on memory. Mm-hmm. And he talks to people all the time and he's like, are you good at remembering people's names? So I'm curious, what, what's your answer to that? Horrible. Alan? So horrible. Um, I think that's most people's answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually really good at it. Okay. And I'm not like trying to pat myself on the back, but for whatever reason, I'm just good at remembering people and their names. And I've always had that mindset. Hmm. But this guy basically said, if you go into something saying, "I'm not good at that thing," mm-hmm. you're not going to be good at it. You're just not because you've set yourself up for failure. So you believe that you're not good at video games. But if your mindset changes, you may not be a natural at it. And there are people that are. Yes. I know a dude who's like the best fighting game player I've ever met. And he's just naturally good. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not naturally good, mm-hmm. but I am very good at Street Fighter 2. But it took a lot of practice. Oh, no, no. And I, and I recognize that because I, I, I love playing the guitar. I, I, it is something I, I absolutely enjoy doing. And it's something that... I feel like um, there's a knack in my brain that just gets it a little more than other things. Like, beer is one of those things I feel like I get it yep. just a little more than other things. Oh, and you like it, too. That yeah. helps, right? and I like it. Um, and I really wanted to like video games. Yeah. And it was just like, I just should, like, it was just a recognition uh, recognize, recognition of, like, this is my limit on this, as good as I'm probably going to get before yeah. I have to really work hard at it. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm all right being there. With the guitar, <laughs> I want to continue to push myself and learn more and challenge myself. With video games, I'm like, I'm fine being here. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that podcast, uh, was I think it was a Tim Ferriss episode, and just like I said, just kind of broke my brain mm. and uh, made me realize that our, our brains are so powerful, you know, when we go into things like that. And if we just believe we're not good at something, we probably won't be. And that's true. Um, you got the coffee. You got the the beer going on. 
Um, I feel like that is also a great opportunity and a great set of challenges that are very unique because you have, I, I couldn't help but think of like Jurassic Park where they're like, you've opened up a zoo <laughs> and an amusement park at the same time. Yeah. Like, I feel like you've done a little bit of that. Like you've opened up a coffee shop, which has its own world of opportunities and challenges. A tap house has the same thing. What are some of the like great challenges and opportunities that you have because you run both together? Yeah. So I think one of the big challenges is, um, when we went into this business, we were like, it's going to be 50% coffee and 50% beer because we love both and we're going to do both real well. Yeah. But the customers dictate what they want. Yep. So one of the big challenges is if you are wanting beer customers, mm -hmm. which we have less of than coffee customers, you have to make sure you're not infringing on the coffee customer's experience. Part of mm. that is... People are drinking beer. They're having a good time. Maybe they're getting a little loud. There's people here like working. You know, they're on their yeah. laptops. They're having meetings and studying and things like that. So that vibe is real chill. And uh, mm -hmm. the beer drinker, for the most part, I mean, as you and I both know, they're they're pretty calm. But maybe you want to have a little bit more fun. Maybe you want to be a little louder. So we have to figure out how to balance that. Mm. We did some events early on, like we did a video game night and. I mean, this girl was just furious one night because we didn't have a place to plug in her laptop and she wanted to work. She's like, I drove all the way over here and I'm so mad and you hate me so much. And I'm like, no, it's just once a month we do this. Yeah. It's the one time I don't have a plug in the house and it was not, we didn't know we, you we were coming. Yeah, you we know? didn't know you were coming going, no, no laptop for you. Yeah. yeah. But these guys were here to play games, drink some beers, hang out, have some fun and yeah. Um, ultimately, ended up making this girl really upset, and she had like twelve thousand followers on Instagram. Blasted us, and of course, her uncle calls me the next day, and he's like, "I heard you upset my my niece, and tell me about that." When I explained it, he was like, "Oh, well, it sounds like she was just having a bad day, and she deleted everything off Instagram, and um, it ended up not blowing up in our face." Okay. But that's one thing. And then training staff because you got a lot of equipment in here, you got a lot of products you got to train people yeah. on, and you may have somebody walk in at nine in the morning. They just got off their third shift at the hospital and they want a beer, mm -hmm. but your coffee staff needs to know the beer too. And somebody says, "What are your stouts on tap?" And they need to know. So, yeah. training staff creating the right vibe and trying to balance the amount of coffee and beer business. Our late night business is just now picking back up after two years of oh, this good. pandemic. Good, good, good. Um, and we're just now starting to get some late night business back. But consumer behavior really changed and people just don't go out to drink beer the way they used to. Um, I'm hoping that's changing though. I, I was wondering about that as well because, you know, I am now starting to get back out to have, have a pint. You know, I was out at a Southside Cellar uh, I've been lucky. I, I feel like I've had a, a very lucky month because twice now I've been out to Southside Cellar after 8 p.m. Like that is a, you know, just to get there for me is a, is a challenge sometimes. But then to be able to stay out like late is, is a lot of fun. Um, and I've noticed uh, the times that I've gone, it has either been empty or full. Yeah. And, and I don't want to see it empty because I, I love Southside Cellar. I want it to, to continue and be. But I, I've been wondering about how people are coming back to the places they used to be or the place they used to go to because the, the landscape has changed a bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's something I've wondered about, like how people are, their drinking habits, both coffee, beer, just their going out habits has changed, yeah. you know? You know, beer used to be about 25% of our business and uh, we were happy with that. I would have liked to even see it grow a little bit further beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's more like 
15%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So beer is a small component revenue-wise. Uh, we do a little bit more wine than we used to. Okay. Just And that's just based on the customer figuring it out. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. this place has like a good wine list. Even though it's only like seven bottles, they're thoughtfully selected, and I gotcha. like the wine that they have. Gotcha. And we're about to start doing some happy hour promotions. And, oh, cool. Um, maybe doing like some music bingo or trivia nights or something like that. Um, but again, there's one of those things where you have to be kind of careful, like what time you start it. Do you advertise it? Do you let your customers know? If you see somebody coming in with a backpack at 6.30 p.m., and you know they're ready to hunker down and study, but you've got music bingo starting in 30 minutes, you got to let them know. Like, yeah. hey, just to let you know in 30 minutes we're starting music bingo. So if you're looking for a quiet place to study, just wanted to keep you updated, you yeah. know? I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why, why this location was Dallas specifically like the place that you wanted to be in? Um, I'm trying to think where, how close we are to like Lower Greenville and all that. Like, um, so Greenville is uh, west. Okay. I'm oh, sorry, east of us by about a mile. Okay. And then if I go down Greenville about five or six miles, then I'm at Lower Greenville. So we're a good okay. distance away. Okay. If somebody lives over there, there's plenty of options. They're not coming up here. But if somebody lives up here, they're not going to Lower Greenville either. Yeah. Um, this shopping center that we're in right now, when I first moved here, there was a Dave and Buster's at the very end. Mm-hmm. It was the old Dave and Buster's location, and I think the very first Dave and Buster's location. And now maybe the one on Thirty Five was, but regardless, uh, this shopping center was dead for many years. There was a Mars mm. Music in here, which is gone. Oh, I think Mars that was Music, the, the anchor right next to us, gotcha. which is the orthopedic place. Yeah, and I just looked at this corner, and I'm like, "There's nothing there." I know I'm good at building stuff where people will come to it. And if I'm if I can build something that people will come to, which I know they will, mm-hmm. then I'm not worried that there's nothing around me. Gotcha. So uh, when I saw the shopping center, long before I knew they were going to remodel it, I'm like, that's the place we need to be. It's the third busiest corner intersection in DFW, and there wasn't coffee on wow. the corner. Yeah. That's because I mean, that's opportunity right there. Yep. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed, you're fairly active on social media, uh, from what I see on like the the DFW beer guy uh the beer uh what's called the beer groups that i see yeah um one of the things i really appreciate is your candidness about uh the i like to say positives and challenges of running a business yeah because it makes it seem uh i want to put it this way more real to me about what it means to run a business because i've seen businesses that anytime i see their their posting it is a hey come support us because we're having a hard time blah 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 or i see only the positives or mm-hmm. only the advertisements from them right and from you i get more of like a man we had you know uh really great interaction with so and so uh we had a really cool customer come in or we're having this really cool thing that like man we just want to make sure you guys know about it because it's gonna be awesome or a story of you know uh like you just shared with uh, the young lady that was like trying to like uh, looking for uh, an outlet. Yep, yep. And then kind of, there's almost always like, here's what I've learned from this situation. Um, and I've always appreciated that because I I feel like it, it brings uh, what you do and what this place is uh, to the community in just a different, more real way, I'll say. No, I appreciate that. And that's, um, I think that's just from my desire to see that from other businesses. And then my other part of it is, if anybody ever wants to start a business, I mm-hmm. know what it's like. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest and the hardest thing I've ever done. 
Mm. And I think it's good to keep people involved or informed as to what the challenges are, what the good things are, mm-hmm. uh, what the bad things are, you know, all of that. So if yeah. I can help put a little window into that experience where somebody might become a business owner because of information I put out or decided, oh, that's not for me mm-hmm. because I was reading about this thing and that sounds so challenging and that's just, I don't want to get into that. Which is almost a better, uh, I, it, it's almost sound. I hate to put it this way, but it almost sounds better to figure out the things that you don't want to do. <laughs> sure. Um, instead of like figuring out in the moment, like, oh, no, I do not want to do this right. at all. Um, I've heard that between, uh, I remember there was a, a, a podcaster, I'm missing his name, but he, um, YouTuber, podcaster guy, and he wanted to become a pastor. And then he was waiting at a, a, at a craft store to buy candles for his service. And then he got back, and then the head pastor was like, well, you got to do this, this, this. And he realized, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Right. And the pastor was like, that's good. <laughs> good. Don't then, if this is not what you want to do, do not do this. Yeah. And, yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, I don't think that necessarily you should rule something out completely because I'll just give you an example. If you want to be a business owner and you're like, I want to be a business owner, but only for a few years mm-hmm. just to try it out, see if I like it. I think you can do that with a hobby-based business in your spare time, mm-hmm. meaning don't quit your job. Yeah, you know when I my, I know you haven't asked about this yet, and you probably will later. Um, when we first started producing beer festivals, I didn't quit my job for four years. Mm. We were still producing beer festivals, and my boss was super cool. He was very about entrepreneurship. It was a small company. I think there were five or six of us there, and. Uh, I was the guy that basically ran the business day to day over there, and yeah. with, he had kind of taught me a lot of things along the way. Mm-hmm. He's like, as long as you don't let your work and your own business affect my my work here and the employees, then you can do whatever you want. Basically, That's cool. yeah. So that was how I got started to decide. Oh, maybe I want to be a business owner. Maybe I don't. I don't really know. But if you know, if you want to just go and decide you want to do something for the rest of your life maybe just try it out in small quantities first hmm. you know see if it's going to work see if it's for you see if it's for you being a pastor that's like you go to you know seminary school and you commit years to that and then you're committing to you know depending on the religion who knows how long of a commitment that's I, a big deal I've, I've been a youth minister before um i've been a, a missionary before um i have thought about being in the in the pastoral life and um what's it called and I'm not saying that's never going to happen for me, but for right now, I do not see that as a as a path for me. And I come with that knowing a, a very large portion of what it means to be pastors and uh, working in a church. Yeah. Having done it before, it's like that may be something at some point in time, but I know right now that is not the, not the path yep. at this moment. Because I know everything that goes into it. It's never a it's never a eight to five. It is a twenty four hour position. Yeah, I'll say. Um, I do want to get to Big Texas Beer Fest. Uh, I do want to do that, but I've got a couple more. I, I really like talking to you about this. This is a lot of that's fun. That's fine. Yeah, that's um, fine. Because I also know you probably get a lot of people asking about Big Texas Beer Fest. <laughs> I get a lot of people asking about a lot of things. <laughs> um, so I guess this also goes for coffee. Um, I don't follow coffee trends as much as I do beer. But, I mean, this place has been around. You guys are hitting your, I want to make sure I'm saying this right, third or fourth year? We're at about three and a half three right and now. A, okay. We opened in late August uh, 2018. Okay. And this is currently March 2022. Okay. So, Just so this podcast has a timestamp on it. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up on, you're, you'll be doing four years 
this this year. Yep, later this year. Um, and one of the things I, I'm, I'm now that I've been in Texas for a little while, um, you know, it was seven years. I think this month. Um, oh, cool. So I've been in. Uh, I've seen the the Texas beer scene grow. It's been a lot of fun. And something I love to ask people about, especially now that I've seen, it, is like what. How have you seen the Texas beer scene change? Um, and how do you see that in effects, as it affects the taps that you have? Um, yeah, I mean, every industry is, uh, you know, these, especially these small, local, hyper-focused industries, which I mm-hmm. think beer is one of, uh, are changing quite a bit. I think in beer in particular, when we first got started, uh, the first brewery in Dallas proper was to the late 2011 and Deep Ellum and Lakewood kind of came on the scene at the exact same time Mm -hmm. and their goal at that time was make as much beer as possible and I think within a few months Deep Ellum was in 350 bars and restaurants which is just I mean and and I'm also including grocery and convenience stores. They were doing the packaging as well. Yeah so the goal at that time was let's be a packaging brewery Mm -hmm. let's find a distributor at some point to help us get the beer out in the market and let's move you know, 10, 20,000 barrels of beer, which for those listening, a barrel is 31 gallons. And uh, let's move as much beer as possible. That's a lot of beer for a small local guy. The model now, I think if you were going to open a brewery, because we have like 70, 80 breweries in DFW. Depending on how you count, like North Texas, we'll say. You could could count as as few as 60-something. Yep. And you could go up as much as, I think, 125 now. Okay. Well, then that's more than I even knew. But um, I think the model now is find a neighborhood that's underserved, mm-hmm. whether it be by restaurants or by drinking places, and either just try to serve that need, or if you're going for, like, the super beer nerd and you're a you know, brewery like a False Idol or a Celestial, maybe your goal is to choose cheap real estate and mm-hmm. then no people will come to get your stuff because other people don't other breweries don't make what you make and they're not capable of doing that whether it's brewing skill or they just don't want to spend the expensive money to make those beers. Yeah. So that model didn't really exist 5 years ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of the laws have changed to allow breweries to sell direct to to consumers. Yep. Including production breweries, which was a second hurdle they had to cro- uh, cross. In, but even in, brew pubs couldn't sell beer to go. Yeah. And now both of those entities can. So that's changed a lot. Um, I don't know too much about how that's changed for us. We mostly work with distributors and then a handful of small self-distributing breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's the trend I'm seeing as far as on the uh, industry side. And then on the consumer side, it just goes back to what we talked about earlier. There are less and less people drinking out at bars, uh, restaurants. And I think some of that has shifted going directly to the source, to the brewery itself. Lots of people are going there to drink, mm. and that's changed the landscape a lot too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, is there any, and I guess this can start to get into Big Texas Beer Fest. Um, I, you know, you, you've been running that with your wife for how many years now? Um, we're about to have our 10th festival. Okay. And uh, it's technically we're 11 years in. Okay. But the pandemic, we skipped a, a festival year. Yeah. So this yeah. is our 10th festival. 10th festival. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the first time I met you... Um, I did a very short run at a brewery, um, and I remember you walked in, and I thought, oh, this guy's coming in way too early for a beer. <laughs> and then I saw the Big Texas Beer Festival. I was like, oh, I don't even know what that is, because I hadn't been in Texas more than, I think, eight months at that point in time. Okay. 
And so it was the first time I ever heard about it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Of course, yeah, let's put this sign up all over the brewery. And that's when I first met you and first learned about the, the, the Big Texas Beer Fest. And then I've just watched it on the side growing and growing and growing. And I've been like, man, this guy is hitting it out of the park with this thing. Because it always was this big event that everybody loved to talk about. You knew the, the beer list was going to be fun. Um, and I think there's also like the, the trends in what people are serving at these festivals. Because you have your, the, be, you know, the Big Texas Beer Festival. There's more than a few in Austin. Uh, I, I don't think of anyone. I think there's a couple of little smaller ones out in West Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe Lubbock or Abilene may have something. Yeah, I think there's one or there's, two festivals out that way. Yeah. But uh, you guys really do like one of the, 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 the biggest ones and the ones that people travel to, I'll yeah. say. Yeah. Um, what are you guys seeing as beer served, things like that? Do you see, has it changed much since you started it or is it just Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, early on, mm-hmm. um, some of the bigger guys like Corona they and Modelo, I think they wanted to come out to the beer festival because they're like, oh, it's a beer festival. Let's serve our beer. Uh-huh. But they realized no one wanted one. to drink them because it's like, oh, well, why are that. they here? But they wanted to be there. And I thought, you know, let's let everybody who wants to participate in the beer festival participate. Mm-hmm. We've made a couple exceptions to where we didn't want somebody to participate. Where I was like, oh, that the type of beverage just doesn't fit with the rest of the stuff here. It would stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Like uh, beatbox beverages, you know, it's like a it's thing like a- you can freeze in your freezer and it becomes slushy. And it's like a... Super fruity, kind of higher alcohol. Almost like a frozen malt liquor. Yeah, it's like a frozen Mad Dog 2020 okay, gotcha. or something. Yeah, yeah. But that kind of stuff I don't think fits with what we're doing. Um, we are almost all malt beverages, but then we started introducing like ciders over the years. Mm-hmm. And then we started introducing hard seltzers. And then a couple of local guys like Four Corners got involved in, um, which Four Corners is local, but they are owned by Miller Coors. Mm-hmm. So that's something I was just going to ex- disclose even though i did call them a local guy i still see them as a local player because they're here yeah they started making a hard kombucha so and mm. uh we also see a few mead producers out there too so we kind of see the whole spectrum of that sort of four to 15 percent alcohol beverage content yeah uh, with the exception of wine you know we don't we don't do wine at the event and the reason we don't do wine is there's just too many there's too many wine producers i don't have room for it and you, at that point in time it becomes like a you could let in oh so many wine places, but then you're also canceling out almost oh so many beer things that are that are more towards what the uh, what the sign says it's going to be. Yeah, and and it's funny because it is called Big Texas Beer Fest, but I maybe thirty thirty five percent of the beverages are not beer anymore, hmm. and uh, you know we're trying to communicate that on social media posts. I'm not going to change the name of the event. The name of the event is what it is. Gotcha. Um, but we do try to disclose that in our messaging now because we're also trying to open up to other audiences. Somebody may say, I don't drink beer. I have a gluten intolerance or whatever the reason mm-hmm. is. Or I just don't. They just say, I don't like beer. Well, we got lots of seltzers and meads and ciders and other yeah. cool stuff, you know. So come try that with your buddies that do like beer. The, the Big Texas Fermented Just Not Wine Festival. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little lengthy. That's a bit, a bit, that's catchy. A bit much. <laughs> um. And one thing I've always wondered is how did that even start up? I, 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 I'm sure you've answered this before, but I never, I never got the history on how, how you guys decided let's start this festival up. Um, we went to Great American Beer Fest in Denver. Mm-hmm. Have you been to that? 
I have not. It is on my bucket list. Um, I, I got to go to Denver with my brother-in-law um, the week after uh, Big Texas Beer Fest. And so everybody, okay. the, the place was, I mean, the, the, the breweries and bars were empty. And I did get to go to Falling Rock before it closed down. Yep. Amazing place. Um, but no, I've not been to that. I've not been there. I've not been in Denver at the same time as Big Texas, as uh, the GABF. But that is bucket list. Item. So um, the reason I asked, just because I didn't want to describe it, if you already knew. But it's basically, you know, you put 4,000 beers in a room yeah. inside uh, with tons and tons of breweries. I think they have four or 500 breweries oh it's huge yeah, yeah it's just enormous and they use the convention center in downtown denver and people travel in from all over the world the mm-hmm. hotels are booked up the rental cars are incredibly expensive because there are people that want to take trips to cities nearby and you need a car to go do that yeah you can get around denver without it because uber and lyft and whatnot yeah and, and it's i've walked around denver I spent pretty much the whole weekend. We didn't rent a car. We spent a whole weekend walking around Denver to every single brewery that you could walk to. Yeah. And you can have more than a fun time just walking around Denver and hitting up all the breweries that way. Well, um, we went there in 2010. Okay. Not, and, or maybe it's 2009, but it was somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of looked at my wife. I'm like, why do we not have a beer festival in Dallas? Hmm. And then I realized, wait a minute, we don't have any breweries in Dallas. That's probably part of the reason. Um, but around that time, I met John Reardon from uh, Deep Ellen Brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Drew Herter, from, who was the head brewer there at that time. He's now with Oak Islands, last I checked. And uh, some other people in the industry. I met Brian Brown really early on. He's a local beer blogger. Oh, and yeah, Brian, yeah. I just started talking to people about wanting to do a beer festival. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea because there are a bunch of breweries in planning right now so you should get ahead of this thing hmm. and uh, somebody connected me with the biggest beer distributor in town which is Benny Keith yep. and they said you should talk to Alexis Ross and I went and met with Alexis Ross and told her what we were trying to do and she's like well it's interesting that you are talking to me about this now because we've been trying to plan an event like this for a few years hmm. but we've realized because of the laws we can't do it as a distributor but we do want to get a bunch of our beers out there in the market. Craft beer is just becoming a thing. We've yep. got all these national players like Deschutes and Boulevard and other big companies that are mm-hmm. distributing here, just trying to get Texas market to understand what beer is. Yeah. And she said, what do you need? I said, well, um, you know, I need X number of dollars. She's like, what do you need that for? I'm like, well, <laughs> this is going to be expensive to produce a big festival. <laughs> She's like, okay. You need money to produce a festival? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but Sorry, I've done events before. I, I've run, not run, but I've been part of 2,000 plus person events, doing registration, the whole, all the little parts that need to take place for a lot of people to get together. Yep. It takes a bit of money. Yeah. So I just said, look, um, if you give me a sponsorship, those dollars will be go towards your breweries participating in the event. Mm-hmm. And we won't be, you know, picky about it because I got to figure out how to make this business work anyway. Yeah. And she was like, okay, done. And it was a five-figure number, you know. So they didn't know me from Adam. I wasn't in the beer industry in any way. And they just trusted that I was going to do the right thing. And it worked out. Nice. That's how I got that, started. That's really... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't imagine the conversation you had with her boss later. Oh, yeah, this guy came in, said he wanted to run a festival. I gave him, like, you know, this much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
it's uh, looking back on it, I'm like, how did I pull that off? I mean, I don't even know, you know. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I had never planned an event over 135 people, which was my wedding. So, um, uh, okay, one more side story related Please, to I, that. I, I really want to hear it. Um, so I had also kind of got to know some of the beer operators in town, specifically Keith from the Flying Saucer, mm-hmm. and I had sort of become acquainted. I had emailed him a few times. They've got these little cards around their um, shop, which is actually, a, I think it's still a great idea now. And it's like, hey, don't talk to a machine, meaning like don't leave us a bad review. Mm-hmm. Talk to a human if something didn't go the way it should have gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like it got a little email address. Well, I wasn't emailing him telling something went wrong. I was actually just emailing to go, hey, I had this beer, and it was really amazing, and tell me more. I just want to know more about that beer. And Keith responded, and we've kind of been acquainted ever since. Gotcha. So I'm telling Keith about this beer festival idea, Mm -hmm. and he's like, well, you know we do a beer festival at Fort Worth. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we we do this um, thing downtown. We kind of like shut down this parking lot, and we bring a bunch of people out. He's like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, well, I'm trying to bring out two to three thousand people and he said not gonna happen i'm like what do you mean he's like people just don't come out for events that size we just don't have the market for it yet Hmm. i'm like well i think we do i just think it hasn't been presented in the right way and he goes well he's like i've been doing this for a long time we've never brought out more than i think he said 800 people at the time maybe it was a thousand but Hmm. um i knew my number needed to be a lot more than that to break even and um I said, well, Keith, I respect you hugely. You own a business. I don't yet. I mean, I kind of do on paper, but that's it. You have customers that come in your doors. Yeah. And uh, I said, but this is something I've got to do. I've got to do it. And uh, six months later, we brought 3,700 people out for the first festival in wow. Dallas and proved everybody wrong. Wow. And, and one more tiny little anecdote related to that. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Beer Festival had tried to... You know, they tried to get this thing off the ground. They sold less than 200 tickets and had to cancel it the week of the festival. And that happened like two or three months before we were doing our thing. Uh-huh. So um, I guess we did some stuff right because other people tried and failed. So but tell me, what are the things you think you've done right in getting this festival off the ground? Because I know about it because I've, I've seen you literally physically in places telling people about it. Yep. Um, you know, I know also from social media, um, but tell me what else are the things that you're doing that you're like, this is how we make this go so well. Well, you know, those guys who are trying to make the Dallas Beer Festival for from Houston, which I think worked against them because they weren't able to walk into places and be like, mm. hey, here's the thing I'm doing. I think it will help build your business and get some awareness out in the market and come check it out. And I did that with every brewery that was opening at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I don't know every brewery owner anymore, but to the time we were at 40 or 50, I knew them all. Yeah. Um, so I was good at that. I was good at getting out there and just talking to people and meeting them and just saying, hey, here's the thing I want to do. I think it'll help you as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, we have shared interests. Uh, the other thing we did well was communicating our messaging on social media. I'll give you an example. We also had food trucks kind of blowing up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I got an email from Jack in the Box, and they're like, hey, we want to bring our burger truck to your beer festival and serve burgers. Well, I saw this as an opportunity to put some on on social media because at that time, 
you could share without paying and get tons of exposure. I mean, tons. And that's how we grew the following. I think we got 18,000 people organically on Big Texas Beer Festival page likes in the first year of Hmm. operating. And you could never do that even probably through paid likes these days. It would just have to be something really kick-ass. But um, I found a picture of this giant jack-in-the-box trailer because, uh, well, truck, Mm -hmm. because they they had lots of money, right? They're jack-in-the-box. And I'm like, this is not what this festival is about. This festival is about small local guys as much as possible. There's lots of local food trucks. I don't need jack-in-the-box. And I put a little no smoking symbol over the Jack in the Box truck. I posted it on social media. I said, these guys reached out to us, but they don't need the kind of help that the small brewers need that we're trying to help. So this isn't a fit for our event. And it's still the most likes I've ever got on a post. I think it was about 600 likes and several hundred shares. And it just got so much exposure. And I wasn't really like trying to be down on them. And like looking back on it now, I think people would maybe pitchfork me a little bit because they're like, there's, there's workers there and they need to yeah. earn wages. And I, I understand all of that. It just yeah. didn't fit with the type of event we, we were doing. And nobody jumped on me at that point, you know, because of the way that the climate was, was a lot less, um, you know, there's a lot less cancel culture out there and you didn't have well, to worry as much. Well, also, it's, it's just the spirit of what you're trying to put on. You know, it's the, yes, yes, we could get the big giant food truck here, but I, I would much rather have someone's food truck that is trying to get out. It, that's exactly right. That's yeah. it. We were just trying to help the small local guys, mm-hmm. and we were trying to tie that into the culture of beer, which is, hey, this is about to become a local thing, mm-hmm. so let's just tie those together and make sure we get the local food trucks, too. Yeah, and that... I liked how you said hyper-local because I feel that is, when I hear about the beer festivals, when I see them going on, even the times that I've been able to go, um, the thing that you get in line for first is the beer that you can't get. Yep. And generally, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a Firestone Walker fanboy. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no apologies about that. Uh, nor, I, nor should you. I, I, I love their beer, love what they do, love how they do things. Um, but um, that is, uh, what's it called called? Those are one of the things that I look out for in the festivals. You know, you check out that beer list as well, which I love that you post because sometimes people don't post those out. I've seen breweries that just don't, I mean, festivals that don't post. And that's not, I understand why you don't post as well because you don't want people being a snob and going, like, well, they're not having this one beer, so I'm not going to go. Um, but I love that you do that because then everybody gets their line ready to go. Like, okay, I'm going to go to this line first and then this line first and this line first. Because now when you think, now when I think about the, the beer festivals, it's, yeah, I'll get to Firestone Walker. But I know that such and such brewery is probably going to have this one beer that they're making that I normally am not, it's normally, I just haven't been able to get it or it's really hard to get. And that's the keg that you know is going to be on at the festival. Oh, yeah. Because they want to bring... Their, their best, they want to impress people, they want to, if you're coming to the festival, they want you to come and come stand in their line, almost, because you know yep. that people, watching people line up for that line, you're like, ooh, what's over there? Yep. No, you're, you're exactly right. Um, and that's maybe not the, um, you know, the hyper-local focus that you were talking about, because maybe it's a, a tiny little brewery down in Austin, you mm. know, like Gesture King. Those guys make some really unusual Mm-hmm. sour beers that you know nobody else in the state is making and really yeah. very few people in the country are making i mean maybe they're in a category of 20 or something like that but um you know it, it's a whole spectrum though too because i get people that have never been to a beer festival 
and they're just a kid in a candy store at that point. Yeah. And they're like, I don't even know where to start, so let me just walk up to this one that I see. And maybe that's the beer that they buy at the grocery store for the next five years. Who knows? Um, I think that's why breweries participate, at least in part. And I think they also just like a good party, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my first ever beer festival, like real... I mean, I've been to, been to some smaller ones that were like, you know, a... a a parking lot with maybe, you know, a bunch of breweries that came up together. Like, yeah, we're just going to do a small little weekend fest, whatever. Um, but the first real beer festival I went to was the L.A. Beer Festival. And they take over, at that time, they would take over uh, Grand Central Station in L.A. Is this still a thing? It is. Okay. Um, the, I may it, have to go. My sister-in-law's out there. Oh, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a blast. Um, cool. The time that I went, this is many years ago, but it was the first time I felt hungover at 8 p.m., um, because I went there, and again, my very first beer festival, I kid in the candy shop, and I was trying these fun beers, and then there was this guy named Dr. Bill, who has his own... He, he oh, I know Dr. Bill. I've been to a few of his events. Okay. Um, he was doing a sour tasting. Uh, and now my, I've got to let people know, my dad is sitting over here. He, he's, he, he was going to come. He's on vacation right now. He's joining us, uh, sitting on the side. And if there's something my dad hates, it's sour beers. Every time he has tried a sour beer, his, his face, I record it just because it's so good. <laughs> and you can hear him just saying, I hate it. But he was doing a sour beer tasting at this festival. And I also like, I, I also, to me, my favorite beer is a free one. And they weren't charging anything extra for like this sour beer tasting. And he was like, look, I'm just going to clear out some of my uh, beer fridge beers that I just yep. need to drink. Yep. He had 20 beers lined up. He does that. And it was yep. everything from like, uh, you know, uh, what's the one with the, there's a bottle with a lady, uh, like it's an old painting. Uh, it looks like an old fresco painting. Oh, Is it a Cantillon? No, it's not a Cantillon. It's a, it's, uh, it's a Flemish brown. Um, Duchess de Bourgogne? Dutch, thank you, yes. Okay. He had like a five or ten year bottle. Nice. And then all the way up to, I forget what. Um, but I got a, uh, a metro ride back, and then a buddy picked me up, and I got home, and it was at 8 p.m., and I was eating a pizza going like, oh, I've got a headache now. Oh, this is not, no, that, that is not <laughs> the way to do a beer festival. Um, it, was just, it was just too much too quickly, and I woke up the next morning going, that's not how I'm going to do that again. Yeah. If you are, if someone is listening to this has not been to a beer festival, what are the tips you would give them for a fun successful like getting the best bang for your buck out of a beer festival yeah there are a couple things when you um are going into the beer festival you absolutely must eat a nice meal you don't have to load yourself down but don't eat a salad you know yeah so what you want to do is you want to eat at least one hour before the beer festival that way your stomach will have started to at least digest a little bit you want to stay hydrated Go one for one if you can on your beers. I know that's difficult, but you know we let people in with an empty water bottle. Um, mm. Can't bring it in full because we don't know what's in there. Yeah. Um, and we have water stations throughout. You can go fill it up. So try to go one for one, or at least you know two beers to one water. Uh, bring a pretzel necklace because we don't care if you bring a pretzel necklace. And even though it's no outside food or drink, we'll, we allow that. Let, let me describe a pretzel necklace because I yeah. bought one at this beer festival for way too much. Okay. But it's literally just a 
piece of like thread or string, yep. and it's just loaded with pretzels all the way around. Yep. And I've seen them anywhere. From, I saw one guy with like German pretzels. Yeah. One time he was selling. Oh, them. you like, can see all kinds of stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. people will hang a box of wheat thins from one of these things. In GABF, <laughs> you'll see the craziest oh, things. Yeah. Slim Jims with like the little th- string through the top of the plastic. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I interrupted, but I wanted to make sure people knew, like, yeah. the, the pretzel necklace, yes. Yeah, bring the pretzel necklace. Our event is uh, indoors, but we do have an outdoor area with mm-hmm. food trucks and music and whatnot. But if the festival you are going to is outdoors, which it probably is, because most of them are, yeah. uh, make sure you're sunscreened up, bring some sunscreen with you, um, you know, maybe a ball cap, um, you know, seek shade out because mm-hmm. you're not going to realize, you know, you could get heat stroke. Because mm-hmm. you're drinking and maybe not drinking as much water as you should, and you're out in the sun and all mm-hmm. of that, um, and just pace yourself. Yeah. You know those little two. You think I can't get drunk on these little two ounce samples, but trust me, you can, and you, it's way easier than you think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been to more than enough bottle shares where at the end of the night I'm like, we're we're about halfway through, and I look at the the lineup and I'm like, you know what? I, I it's time for the water now. We're, I may try a couple more, but it's it's time for the water now. Especially yep. now because I have kids. Kids do not care about hangovers. Like my, 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 They don't know what that is. No. And my loving wife has looked at me and said, like, you can have as much fun as you want, but remember, I have no mercy for you tomorrow morning when the kids wake up. And I'm like, noted, my yep. love. Yeah. <laughs> noted. That's right. Yeah. Those uh, are my tips. Gotcha. Well, man, uh, thank you so much for, for, for being here, for being here, your place, but being on the podcast, I should say. Um, I always like to give the last couple of minutes to to the guests just to promote anything that they're... I mean, I know you have a couple things to promote. <laughs> sure. But I, I wanted to say thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. I know I'm, I'm literally at your workplace just setting up a couple microphones and hanging out. So yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess if I'm, I'm being, uh, you know, doing some self-promotion, Big Texas Beer Fest, uh, 10th Annual Festival... 450 different beer, ciders, hard seltzers, kombuchas, and more. Three bands, food trucks, about a, you know eight to ten food trucks, and an outdoor pavilion. That's happening March 26th of this month. I'm just assuming your pop your podcast will publish before then. I, don't I will. I will get this episode out before then. Okay. Yes. And then uh, you know our coffee and beer shop, civilpour.com. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, in the area, you can come to the place obviously and come check it out. If you're a coffee or a beer lover. We also have one of the best Cuban sandwiches in the Metroplex. We do a uh, panini sandwich. You have a super small kitchen, and it's all done by front of house. I don't have a you know kitchen staff here. Gotcha. But we make one of the best. Uh, Observer gives us like one of the seven best new sandwiches in 2018. Ooh. Yep, in Dallas. And uh, if you're not in Dallas, civilpour.com, we will ship you fresh roasted coffee beans. So if you're into coffee, check out what we've got in stock. Now, I did get, I got the Warlock, but I started with the cup of coffee, just a regular cup of coffee, and that was really great. Oh, yeah. We yeah, uh, actually just, we rotate our coffee roasters okay. every six to eight weeks. We just brought on um, a new roaster to us called Brandywine. They're out of Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. And these guys, I just ordered some personally. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I still love trying out new coffee roasters. And some of it is just to see if it's going to be a fit here. And I had heard of Brandywine, and I knew they made really good coffee, but... I don't know why I never tried their stuff. Mm-hmm. I ordered three different Costa Rican coffees. It's just what looked good that day. Yep. And I was so impressed. I'm like, we got to bring these guys on. So you're drinking some coffee from uh, that was roasted in Delaware. 
Okay. And one of my favorite roasters I've come across in quite a while. Well, it was a great cup of coffee, and I'm looking forward to whatever else comes next on the lineup the next time I'm here. Yeah. 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 It'll be different, probably. I'm excited about that, man. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks for having me, Dude, Alan. I Chad, appreciate it. thank you so much, everybody. Uh, thank you, Chad. And uh, everybody, have yourself a good rest of the day, night, afternoon, whatever this may find you. Cheers. Cheers.